When we should examine one's light, not only will we acknowledge an intelligence, but we will also discover the DNA which connects us all as one. Welcome to Light Insight with Hillis Pugh, where we dive into the mind's light. Only on Real Revolution Radio X. Hello everyone and welcome to Light Insight. I am your host, Phyllis Pugh, and I am so honored to have our guest today, Eliyahu, born in Israel, was raised in close proximity to his grandfather, who was renowned for his profound wisdom, psychic intuitive gifts. At age 16, he became drawn to astrology and palm reading to understand more deeply about himself and others. But he wanted more in life. He wanted to know why things happened. It was when he discovered the Kabbalah Center in Tel Aviv that things began to make more sense to him. The Kabbalah provided the why from that point. He dedicated his life to this profound spiritual path and bringing its wisdom to those seeking a deeper meaning and happiness. But he also draws on the teachings of many other spiritual traditions to bring additional perspectives to his guidance and wisdom. With an insightful and charming gift of communication, Coupled with his continued use of astrology and his own intuitive skills, Eliyahu became one of the premier go-to figures in contemporary Kabbalahism today on North America continent, first in New York and then subsequently in Los Angeles. His uniqueness is profound and his talent translates to profound spiritual wisdom and practical advice that empowers people to live their happy and most fulfilling existence. You know, when people like Madonna, Roseanne, Ashton Kutcher, Demi Moore, uh, Giselle Bunchen, Guy Ritchie, Michael Strahan were crossroads in their lives, they wanted to find more meaning and purpose or direction. They turned to Eliyahu for direction. Thank you, Eliyahu, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, you're so welcome. Yeah, and I have the opportunity to read your book, The Laughing Billionaire, How to Become Rich and Happy. It was such a easy read, but very insightful because I knew of Kabbalah, but didn't really understand it. And with your book... I now have a better understanding of Kabbalah and what it is and how it can help others transform their lives. And so we're just going to just jump right on in here because, you know, I have a lot of questions and, you know, sometimes the hour doesn't lend to reaching all that we have. And so I just want to start out by, for those who don't understand or those that don't know, so what is Kabbalah, and what are the three levels of transformation that you speak of in The Laughing Billionaire? 
Well, Kabbalah is, uh, you can call it wisdom, information, or knowledge. I mean, um, I mean, the bottom line of all spirituality is to bring clarity. And once you have clarity, you can make better decision and wiser decision. So Kabbalah is basically uh, an understanding of the study of what happened before creation, before the physical universe as we know it, and what happened before before that. And, for example, if we take the Big Bang as a theory from, uh, from science, that will be a stage in Kabbalah uh, for creation. So Kabbalah and science agree that that was the moment of creation. But what uh, science doesn't mention, what happened before the Big Bang. So the whole theory of whatever happened before the Big Bang, that's Kabbalah. So it's basically the blueprint of creation. And once you have the blueprint of the creation, you will understand better what to do with your life, with your love life, with your money life, with your uh, spirituality, with your, with your body. You know, everything is written within the blueprint. Everything is written within the seed. So Kabbalah is the seed, the understanding of this uh, universe as we know it. So every human being has to study it, not just for information, for understanding their life. That's beautiful. So when you talk about the seed and the blueprint, are you also saying that the seed and blueprint was something that was given to us by the Creator, or is this something that has happened before the Big Bang? Can you explain it a little bit deeper for us? Well, before the Big Bang, I mean, it was no time, it was no space, it was, uh, if, you, if you know the theory of the Big Bang, so the mention for the single point that that was the beginning of creation when you look at the original book of kabbalah they also talk about the middle point but they talk about it as the end of the creation before so the the, the idea that knowledge was giving to the story most of you are familiar with is adam and eve so adam and eve is, a, is the first human being created as it's been written in genesis whatever you believe it or not i'm not here to, to have this conversation uh, and then, on the way out of the Garden of Eden, they were receiving the first book of Kabbalah, which will help them eventually to go back, to go back to that uh, dimension of Garden of Eden. So Garden of Eden is like a dimension of perfection, when, when everything is one, when high and low is one, when bitter and sweet is one. So that universe exists before it was the creation of this physical universe as we know it. So there is a universe that is beyond the five senses, beyond time, space, and motion. That was the original existence. And we came here to this universe basically to struggle, if you wish, and through that struggle to earn what we used to have already in, um, let's say, a metaphor, like a concept called the Garden of Eden, uh, to go back to that. And the wisdom of Kabbalah is the system to help you to go back in the fastest way to that original form where you came from. I like that. And so as you have given us an explanation of the blueprint of how things evolve and how we grow, you talk in your book, and I'll quote here, that some people may refer to this as a state of flow in popular physiology to get to this state it takes discipline 
And as the story goes, nobody reached the mountaintop without first climbing the mountain. That's why it's called the spiritual path. Mm-hmm. And so, and you go on to talk about the three levels of transformation. So what are the three levels of transformation according to the Kabbalah? Well, I mean, uh, according to Kabbalah, there's many levels of transformation, but uh, based on the simple book that I wrote, The Laughing Billionaire, what I do there, I make sure that people, if they want to become rich and happy, they have to apply both levels. And the both level has three categories. The first category is action. The second category is uh, conversation. And the third category is consciousness or awareness. So a human being is built from three levels. You know, what you do, whatever it is, a reflex or it's a creativity. What you say, is it by choice or just this is just reactive? And what you think, what is your mind thinking about right now? Is it a negative thought that just pass by and you act on it or is it positive thought that passing by and you're sitting and waiting on it with laziness and for example from the mind point if you want a positive thought passing by your mind you have to act on it right away otherwise it will not last with negative thought passing by you have to hold on no matter what happened because once you hold on long time enough then the negativity will go away same with words, you know, you're about to say something, think, with where does it come from? It's coming from you being reactive or is it coming from you being creative? The difference between reactive and creative, even if it's all the same letters, you know, when you're reactive, you have no control. When you're creative, you have control. And then come, of course, the action. You know, what are you doing with your hand? What are you doing with your body? Why, why are you walking there? Why are you moving there? There is a reason for everything. So if you don't know the reason, you basically just rely on your reflex. If you only rely on your reflex, you know, you know better than beast or animal because they are also rely on the reflex. You know, so a person has to climb level by level understanding their action, their talk, and their thought. And if they don't do that, there is no growth in their spiritual being. Yeah, I like how you, how you put that. And so it's what I'm understanding to be is if you are in an emotional space of positive or negative thought or energy, it is then up to you to make the choice in which way you're going to act or react. And if you are coming from a positive or creative space, then just follow that flow with the intention to bring more of that positivity into your existence. And then if you are in a negative or lower vibrating space, then pause in that thought and understand it and cultivate it and then transform it into a more positive energy into creative space, and then you're able to take action. Correct? Nice. Yes, yes. And when you talk about vibration, what is a low vibration? Low vibration meaning me and myself, thinking about myself. When I think only about myself, I'm thinking too small. You know, people are thinking just about themselves, thinking too small. So, so that we learn everybody who thinks small are selfish, very simple. That's the theory that I've discovered in the Laughing Billionaire. People who think small think they're humble. No, they're selfish. Why they're selfish? Because they think about themselves. They don't have to think big. But let's say if we take a term of money or term of fame, if you don't think billions of dollars, if you don't think thousands of people, who are you thinking about? Yourself. That's it. Just you and yourself. But when you think out of yourself, 
how much money you want to have, how much love you want to have, how many people you want to be surrounded with, that's when you're thinking of sharing. Now, I know that a lot of people think it's a greed, you know, and they're so scared of the greed. But isn't is it not the greed just to think about yourself, even if you think small? If you think just one loaf of bread a week, instead of thinking 20,000 loaf of bread a week, you're not going to eat them all, you're going to give them. So here we go into sharing. And if a person is low vibration, that means the person is a victim mentality, misery.com mentality, and me, 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 and myself. Now, being greedy when you're thinking small is worse than being greedy when you're thinking big. Because when you're thinking big, well, even if you're greedy, even if you sin in the, in the, in the sin of greed or being selfish, when you think big, eventually you will have to share. The universe will, will, will make something happen that you will have either people working for you or being with you that that will benefit from your existence. But people who think small are always in the end, the vibration is low. I love how you put that, especially when you talk about the law of vibration. And that is one of the things that I teach is about the law of vibration and how it really resonates with the frequency and how one can truly master their thoughts. And the analogy that you just provided is small thinking versus big thinking. It's kind of like if you have your own garden and are you going to have a garden to feed yourself? And if you do, there's going to be an abundance of food left over. So what do you do with the abundance of food? Are you going to you know, give it away to people, or are you going to let the wild rabbits come in and eat some of your fruits and vegetables that you're growing? It's all about, you know, that cycle that you create for yourself to allow for more energy, more abundance, and more of the uh, life force to flow to you to be able to be of service. Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly what I meant. Because if you think about the vibration was created before it was shaped, so if you're thinking about creation, the original form of creation was basically light, the beam of light. Now, that beam of light, you know, doesn't move. It's not like science will tell us that there is a speed of light. There is no speed to light. Light is everywhere. Light never moves anywhere. But light can be covered. So if I close my hand right now and I try to look inside my hand, there is no, no light there. Inside my fist, there's darkness. Once I open my hand, then the light coming in as well there. So when I talk about the light as an energy, not just talk about light as a beam of light, talk about the light as an as a energy of giving and sharing, the original form of energy. That original form of energy was looking for dark places to fulfill them with light. So it's almost created an illusion of darkness to fill it up. Later on came the vibration. So the vibration create the physical matter. So energy plus vibration create matter, create something physical. We are built from two forces, the body as a vibration and the soul, the part that we can see as a beam of light, as the, as the image of the creator, if you wish, you know, whatever they call the image of God. So we have within us both. So the body ref- reflection or... or, or or vibration can be selfish, me, 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 and myself, with my food, my sex, my shower, my money, or it can be, you know, I'm letting go of that reflex, you know. The soul is always there to influence you, to give, to love, to forgive, 
but most people go to the gym for the body. They don't go to the gym for the soul. There's no gym for the soul. Only if you develop yourself spiritually, you start working yourself, you know, and transform yourself to understand that there is a soul. The soul is a vibration. It's very different than the body vibration. Well, the soul vibration is not, uh, cannot be captured. And people who can understand the soul vibration truly telling us that they don't understand. Because if there is no limitation and you capture a vibration, that's when you didn't capture the real thing. A real thing, that, like the soul vibration, is so endless, it cannot be captured. And if you told me you capture it, that's when it's no longer endless. And if it's no longer endless, that's not the soul vibration. That's a body vibration. I hope I didn't confuse people around with that. No, not at all. And you are speaking my language right now. This is, you know, the energy the, where I really help and guide other people to really capture an understanding that energy is energy. It just takes on different forms, you know, from the unseen to the seen, which is the physical matter, and then the energy in which we feel. And so it's, just, it's those subtle differences in the frequencies and the vibrations in which we're able to tune into to create and to manifest what we truly desire and want to have in our life. Yeah. And, yeah. and in your book, The Laughing Billionaire, you talk about, or let me just read it here, uh, a quote, it says, in short, the creator will create circumstances in your life to awaken your true desire for freedom. From there, you need to take charge and use that desire to create true freedom. This is the kind of desire that comes from your soul as opposed to your ego. And so I just want to know, based on what we've talked about, you know, so far about the vibration and the frequencies and the alignment, what advice can you offer to the listeners of how they can use their desires of the soul to create freedom for themselves? That's great. Thank you first for the question because that's a great question. Uh, freedom, uh, like the word love, is being used so often but without thinking. So when people think about freedom, they think about, can I do whatever I want to do? But could be that whatever you want to do, it's actually your prison. It's no longer your freedom. Freedom is when you're capable to control what you want to do, meaning control not in a negative way, meaning control yourself. If you no longer can control what you wanted to do, you're not free. That's when what you wanted to do controlling you. Instead of you controlling the horses, the horses controlling you. You no longer have the reins in your hand. So true freedom is the ability to say no to myself, not no to others. That's, that's true freedom. And unfortunately, we're all slaves to something. Some slaves to an addiction, some slaves to anger, to ego, to money, to sex or something. So everybody's slave to what they want. And when they do whatever they want, they think, oh, I'm free to do whatever I want. I'm free to steal. I'm free to use cocaine. <laughs> I'm free to kill. I'm free to, 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 to abuse somebody. That's not freedom. That's the animal instinct, which is a reflex within the body, which is a very low level of frequency, that's telling you to go ahead and, and just follow your reflex. Now, from the animal, we're not expecting them to control the reflex because they're animals. They're not supposed to be. Those of you who believe in reincarnation, there is four categories in reincarnation. One is the mineral frequency, one is the vegetables, animals, and humans. And the human have the highest frequency, but also the highest selfishness, the ego. When we look at minerals, minerals almost have less frequency 
and different frequencies thereof, and the different vibration, and less desire to receive, meaning less selfish there. So people who couldn't handle being human have to go one stage down. They go into frequency of animal. If they could not handle that, then they become vegetables and then minerals. So the whole idea of controlling yourself and achieving freedom, that's a true freedom. Not to do whatever you want. To be able not to do whatever you want, that's when you achieve freedom. I like how you put that, but there's, you know, there's a question that came up for me out of that. You know, when you talk about people who become slaves to the ego, such as if they have to, you know, if they're vibrating on a lower frequency, you know, let's say they have to steal or, you know, they're addicted to sex or what, or they have to, or they end up killing someone. And during these economic times where things are so out of balance, economically for a lot of people, you know, and witnessing it so firsthand, you know, people sometimes feel they have no choice in having to rob or whatever it is to do illegal things to make ends meet. So how do you feel or what are your thoughts about that level of action to obtain some sort of um, to get to a place of financial stability or feeling somewhat financially secure or stable in their life if they have to take such low vibrating frequency actions. The point is like this. I mean, uh, we don't need the Bible or God to tell us not to steal. I mean, we know that stealing is wrong. But what is exactly wrong with stealing? What's wrong with stealing is basically that you don't believe. The uncertainty concept just captures your brain. You don't believe that you're going to do well. And because you don't believe that you're going to do well, you will have to steal. But the stealing is a method or an idea or a concept that you invented with your creative mind when you saw that you have no option. When you saw that you have no option, you go ahead and steal. But there, I know other people, when they don't have option, they become more creative to create money. So you can choose. Either you don't believe in yourself. You said, I don't deserve to have money. There is no way I can come up with ideas to make money. So it's time for me to go ahead and steal. You know, the, the idea is, what can you create? You know, what business can you create? We know, and whenever we're going through, if you look at the past, most theory, most business idea, most concept was invented not doing a good time, doing a desperation. And I always tell my follower, my student, my client, said desperation give birth, not inspiration. Inspiration is very nice. You can sit there and be inspired by a speaker or by a story or by something. And you would just sit there and say, wow, that's unbelievable. And then you go back to sleep and say, what's for lunch? Desperation <laughs> kick, kick, kick your butt a little bit, I'm sorry, and move you. Because desperation gives birth. So there is three levels of change. And three of them are basically important. One is fear. Second is respect. And third is love. This is not my theory. This is a theory from 2,000 years ago. Those are the three levels of change. Normally, the fear works the, the fastest. But the problem with fear, it doesn't last. Meaning, if you're scared, you will make a change with your life. You will make a transformation. But that transformation will not be real because you do it only from fear. Then come respect. And respect can be half and half. You change, 
but you don't change for the right reason. You change out of respect and awe. And, and it's good. It's better than fear. Then you have love. Changing from love, that's a very high level of frequency, meaning that your love toward the universe, toward the creator, toward people is so high that that's what pushes you to change. Most people don't change from love. Most people change from fear or respect. And the idea, we are living in a time, so you mentioned this time of money loss with the people afraid to die and disease. So those of you who know familiar with the chakra, we all living in the survival chakra, which is the color is red. And I don't need to tell you, when you see the color red, you get panic, you get scared, like the stop sign, red, red, red is everywhere. And people are afraid, you know, it's, they're getting nervous. And they're acting differently. The point is, what does the universe want from us right now? The universe has frequency too. The universe tried to bring us back together. We are not together for a long, long time. Thousands of years we are not together. Everybody fighting for their own tribe, for their own religion, for their own family. Nobody wants to connect with, with another human being. Even if they connect for the wrong reason. I mean, we have Facebook friends, we don't even know them, Instagram. You know, that was a really amazing answer. Thank you so much for that, for bringing clarity to that. And so, since we're on the subject of humanity and talking about the collective here, in your book, you talk about, and I quote, for humanity, our task is different from nature, and that we are designed to be co-creators. We don't just unfold, we create. But it is important that when we create, our desires are coming from the soul and not the ego. So can you go elaborate here a little bit for us and allowing us to know what's the difference when we create from the soul versus the ego? I know we touched on it a little bit, but I just want people to have a clearer definition of the soul versus the ego. Well, when we come from the soul, we need to imagine that there is a fulfillment already. So when we desire something, we desire what is already there. That's called a soul desire. If you desire things that you don't believe are there, that's an ego desire. Meaning what? Let's say you want to make $1 million. But the $1 million that you want to make, you don't believe it's there yet. So what do you do? You work hard, you negotiate, you manipulate, you do all kinds of things to get the $1 million. If you go from the soul point of view, you know that there is a $1 million on the table. It's just in different frequency, in different vibration, that $1 million is not revealing itself. It's called, in, 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 in Kabbalah, it's called wisdom. That energy meaning... It's called wisdom. It doesn't have to be mean wisdom. It means it's a, it's a raw, naked energy that cannot be seen yet. So you need to dress it up. It's almost like us. If you want to reveal yourself, you dress yourself with clothing and then go outside. If you want to reveal the potential of a seed, you bury it in the ground. So whatever needs to be revealed needs to be covered. Then it can be discovered. And the idea is when you come from the soul, you need to look at things as it's already there. The love I'm looking for is there. The health uh, that I'm looking so much for is there. The place of work is there. Everything is there. There's nothing you can do about it. So you can never basically 
create something, you can reveal something, you can discover something. It's already there. And when you think like that, how can you have ego? Ego about what? Whatever that you do, whatever money you made, whatever fame that you achieve, is something that was already there. It was your desire that activating something that was already there. I hope it's clear. No, it's very clear. And I, I love how you, you're defining all of this. And so far, everything that we've touched on sounds like there's this link to the law of vibration to where one is becoming master of their thoughts to create what it is that they are wanting to have in their life. And it's creating this new belief system to believe that you already have what you are wanting to create because it's already in existence. You just have to line up with it to pull it towards you, to manifest it, to see it, to, as you say, discover it. Yeah, remove the cover. And, and, and the idea, I mean, we have to be careful because some people have no desire and some people have too much greed. So if you have no desire at all, you're dead. If you have too much greed, you're dead. When I say you're dead, it doesn't mean physically dead, meaning you disconnect yourself. So you got to find the balance of I want it all, but not for myself. When you get to that level, that's the highest frequency you can get to. I want it all, everything that exists in the world, I want it, but for the sake of sharing, not for the sake of me. That's the highest level. Yes, thank you so much for that explanation. And we will continue this really insightful conversation and how to create from the soul on the other side of this break. And we'll be right back. Whether it's coming from the world of entertainment, integrative medicine, quantum theory, conspiracy fact, ancient archaeology, sacred geometry, financial trends, or perhaps even from the very world of self-help and motivational speaking, Real Revolution Radio possesses the information you need. Listen today to our daily inspiring lineup of podcast radio talk shows only on realrevolutionradio.com. you to the world of alternative remedies. Join Marie Pisani as she hosts discussions with leading experts in the fields of hypnotherapy, acupuncture, yoga, Ayurveda, EFT, chronic healing, integrative medicine, and so much more. Marie will also brave topics that many consider taboo. Yes, taboo talk. Tune in today to the Marie Show heard on popular social media and now on Smart TV. shared here are not necessarily shared by all but let's know that we can agree to disagree we are here to open up 
to illuminate our minds and to be a part of the conscious evolution that is sweeping across the world, taking shape on planet Earth today. And now to guide you in spirit to the most controversial, but yet the least explored on the subject matter of death. Here is your host for tonight's paradigm shifting broadcast, Maria Dancing Heart, Oakland. Radio production only on realrevolutionradio.com. And if you too would love to become a podcaster today, or perhaps even an ad sponsor with our network on realrevolutionradio.com, please by all means call us toll free at 844-414-REAL. Again, that is toll free 844-414-REAL. 7325 and find out more about how you too can become an inspiration a wonderful talk show host on our inspiring and growing podcast radio talk show network only here on realrevolutionradio.com Liftoff to a higher level of consciousness. Tune in to RealRevolutionRadio.com, the number one source for independent music and inspirational podcast radio. Awaken, evolve, inspire, and join the evolution only on RealRevolutionRadio.com. You're listening to RealRevolutionRadio.com. There's hope as long as you're alive. And we are back on the other side of this break with my very special guest, Eliyahu, author of The Laughing Billionaire. And right before we went to break, we were just really discussing and really how to reach for the place of happiness and really reach out to understand how to create from the soul. And in your book, you also talk about... Uh, happiness and a quote from the book that I have here is that from there you need to take charge and use that desire to create true freedom this is the kind of desire that comes from your soul as opposed to your ego and this really to me sounds like you know how to create and how to manifest from the soul as we just talked about but does this also the happiness that we wish to have does this also include the tangible items as opposed to the intangible that's a great uh, question the physical items that we want uh, this is a little bit deep explanation but I'll do the best I can to make it simple when you want something physical it also can split Sometimes you want physical thing. Whatever you want, it's never a mistake. If you want a big house, a lot of diamond, a fancy Ferrari, whatever you want, you know, 
spiritual people look at it like it's a reincarnation story. Meaning, could be that somebody who hurt you in another lifetime happened to reincarnate in your Ferrari, and that's why you desire to buy that Ferrari. And now you're going to hang up together, and you're supposed to have a relationship. He or she has a car, and you as the driver. And hopefully this time you can get along. So, when people are looking for happiness, but the short-term happiness, just from physical thing, of course, it's not going to last very long. Like the body. The body is never meant to live forever. The body, the original body, meant to live forever. But because we, we have the sin of Adam and Eve, the tree of knowledge, blah, 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 you know, the body is not meant to live forever. The soul, which is considered the coming from the original vibration of the Creator, the soul lives forever. So we have already an issue. We have the body awareness and the soul awareness. The body awareness is survival. What can I have right now, this second, and what can make me happy in the next five minutes? That type of happiness doesn't last. When we talk about the true happiness, you, it has to come from two places. A true happiness has to come from a place of earning, okay? You gotta earn what you have, and then you gotta share what you have. Those are the two forces and frequency of happiness. People who receive something without earning it will be miserable. Even if you're super beautiful, super rich, super smart, super everything, super knowledgeable, you're not gonna be happy until you earn what you have. How do you earn what you have? By using it for sharing with humanity. Beautiful, I love that. I love how there is really no, the understanding is that uh, of sharing and of giving and connecting with the space, which brings me to my next point, which uh, I know, and I'm just quoting a lot from the book here because I found it fascinating, but in the book you say, you. start connecting to what the creator wants to share and say to yourself, I want to receive because I know the creator wants to give. And according to the, cabal, to the Kabbalah, is the belief that we are separate from the creator or is this the oneness and unity that the creator wants to give you everything that, that's available for you? The, the point is that the creator created you. You have to agree with that uh, if you want to understand this theory. And whatever created you wants the best for you. You will not create something to damage it. So if people start having a thought that God is punishing you or the Creator punishing you or the Divine is after you, they're missing the point. It's almost like I put my finger into the socket and I complain to the electric company, look what have you done. You know, the, the Creator <laughs> is, 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 a, is a divine energy. It's just energy. It's nothing more than a lot of energy. So if you abuse it, you don't know how to use it, it's going to work against you. If you act as if you are the creator and you create things and you share like the creator, then of course automatically what will happen, you have affinity with that energy. When you have affinity with that energy, everything is working wonderful. So now going back to your question. So is the creator install everything for us from the moment we were born? The idea is like that. And I repeat reincarnation for the third time today. It depends how many lifetimes you are here, and it's very easy to know. And I teach people how to look at forehead or your hand, and basically know how many lifetimes you are here. 
and fix whatever you came here to fix. So if, if this is your third lifetime, for example, you bring some garbage from another lifetime. And for you to enjoy what the Creator want to give you, you've got to clean that garbage. It's almost like I'm going to pour the most expensive wine into your glass, but your glass is dirty. You will not enjoy the quality of the wine I'm giving you. The divine want to give you the best of the best. It doesn't mean you will enjoy what the, the Creator want to give you. For that reason, sometimes before, not sometimes, most of the time, before a fulfillment and abundance come into your life, there is negativity that comes into your life. That negativity is just there to clean your own inner negativity. So surrounded you by negative, removing that negativity, clean all the dirt so you can enjoy the abundance, the fulfillment, and the beautiful thing that the divine want to give you. I hope I answered your question. No, you did, and, and I love how all of this is flowing because it, it makes perfect sense and how this wisdom can be received by those who are willing to see it and understand it for what it really is. And in your book, again, you talk about, and I quote, the concept of certainty is central to the Kabbalists understanding of living the benign consciousness which is one of the ten dimensions that stores within it all the blueprints of the original creation where the joy of the world to come to heaven and earth can be experienced this is why a daily practice of having faith in the creator no matter how things may appear enables his goodness to unfold and that is excuse me and that is what i want to encourage all of us to create faith so why is the power of certainty central to the kabbalah and is this the essence of blind faith uh well no, there's a difference between blind faith Blind faith is a tool. I want to start from the end. Blind faith is a tool in a time that you're losing all your certainty. Why we call it blind faith? It's supposed to be, you know, open your eyes, <laughs> not blind faith, <laughs> because you can't see. You just can't see. So that's why we call it blind faith. You're blind. You're blind because you were busy with your ego, your selfishness. You blinded yourself. When you, when you, when you blind yourself, you have to have faith until your eyes will open. So as, as, as the famous verse, fake it till you make it. Many people believe in that verse, but they get stuck in the fake and they don't stuck in the make it. So fake it till you make it, meaning start with blind faith. Yes, because you can see it. And then you will see, you know, as they, if somebody's from Missouri, what they say, we are living in the show mistake. No, I mean, if you will believe, you will see it. Not if I show you, you will believe. How many people we met that we showed them all the facts and we still don't see it. So certainty, going back to certainty, certainty is not to believe. It's not even a faith. It's more than faith. It's like having certainty by knowing that wherever you are right now is the best place you can be. And to get to that level, that's a hard thing to do. Take a lifetime. To get to level, some people take them less time. Again, depends on how many lifetimes they are here. But your goal in life is to achieve certainty. So, for example, when I coach 
uh, people in the in the football field, you know. So sometimes they're losing their faith, they're losing their certainty. They're capable of doing what they they're supposed to be doing. So for them, you know, you need to have absolute certainty that whatever you do going to be great. There is another level of certainty that I don't share it with everybody, but if people want to try the second level of certainty, this is only for people who are super mature in spirituality. Again, super mature because it's not for everybody because if you try it and you're not ready for it, it will work against you. So the second level of certainty is whatever happened to you is the best thing that happened to you. So you're not looking for positive or negative result. That doesn't affect your opinion of certainty. That level of certainty is the highest level, which means you no longer say, my store I just opened, or the book I just wrote, I have certainty it's going to do well. No. Second level of certainty, whatever it will do well or not, it doesn't matter. I still have certainty that that's the best thing. Again, the second level of certainty is not for everybody. The first level of certainty, I would like to say that it will be great if everybody can get there. So they get out of the house, or they go to work, or they go to have a relationship, you know, that they have certainty that that's, that's going to be good. So that first level of certainty is quite good. The second one, not for everybody. I love the second one because it sounds similar to a concept that I have just allowed myself to, to really understand, and I call it unshakable peace meaning that no matter what has happened in my life, because using myself as an example, there have been many instances in my personal life where I could have been very angry, very vengeful, vengeful, and just flown off the handle. But through my own personal bringing and staying centered in my life, you know, I understood that I could have been the incredible Hulk, this big green monster, and then just flew off the handle. But I didn't because I know the power of my own anger, and I know how that could hurt someone. And so instead, I shifted myself into a state of peace, a state of calm, and a state of confidence and courage, knowing that it is better for me to stay in stillness and then receive and accept what is occurring as opposed to just being this emotionally fueled person in a negative or a lower vibrating sense. Mm. I like it. I like it. I like it. I mean, people who have anger issues usually have passion in there and the passion is the beautiful thing that needs to come out so anger is the energy so when you transform anger into passion that's beautiful yes and i discovered that too it took me some time to really understand that the anger that i carried is passion but on a lower vibrating frequency so you have to transmute that anger to a higher level for the purity of passion to be shown. So thank you for even writing this because it helped me to really dive a little bit deeper within me to really understand the energies and the emotions that have been expressed. Nice. And so, and so also you in the book you talk about memory and the and how it limits potential growth so how does memory 
play a part now is it because of reincarnation or is it the memory that's in this life how does memory play a big role in in creation i mean first the, the negative side of memory the negative side that i mentioned there is that uh you, uh, lack of forgiveness you know when you remember what somebody did to you negative way in a negative way you use the memory against you meaning what meaning that you can't forgive somebody who hurt you in 1998 you gotta let them go and if you didn't let them go you get stuck in 1998 so that's what i mentioned about memory in a negative way you gotta be careful if you couldn't forgive someone you're not ready to move on and you're not ready to get fulfilled so that's that's from a time point of view to understand the memory and time point of view now memory from another lifetime most people don't go into heaven it's not all people going to have a memory of their last lifetime the reason we don't have it because then the free will will be taken away from us so with the memory of what happened to your last lifetime and what you did wrong you know is going to be taken away from you so you're going to basically find a way to become a better person without knowing what you did wrong now when people meet people like me so i look at the forehead and i look at their eyes and the eyelashes the ears location the nose, the upper lips, the lower lips, the neck, the fingers. So I read them, and when I read them, you can do it with astrology as well. When I read them, I basically know who they are. So whatever person comes to see me, whatever they're famous or not famous, whatever they're rich or poor, so I know what happened to them last lifetime, and then I give them advice based on last lifetime, what not to do and what they should be doing this life, so this life can be much better for them than last life. That's why... We need the the memory in a positive way. Yeah, I like that because you know, memory. You know, me personally being a holistic practitioner, you know, I connect to my clients uh, with using a particular energy modality that allows me to see memories that they're not able to remember or to see. And it helps me to help them to release their fears and overcome the hindrances to living a better life. And I definitely agree with you that memory or the lack of the memories we have plays a really crucial role in connecting us and helping us to to grow as an individual and to really connect with other people on on many levels yeah yeah this is, this is what it's like a link between us past and future i mean can we remember the future the answer is really yes but there is a little blockage so the future and the past are in the same frequency was so really really not different the present is different but the past and future are both bang of memory if you wish so you have a memory of your past and you have memory of the future but because we look at time as a linear thing we don't look at time as a circular thing as the Kabbalists used to look at that which means there's a circle that that everything moves in circle it doesn't move in line but even if somebody's 60 years old it doesn't mean he's 60 years old you can only become one year old that's it that's as far as you can grow because if time goes in circle every time your birthday arrives you're meeting your birthday in a circle because you have the circle of the year, the circle of the month, the circle of the week, and the circle of the 24 hours. And of course, you have other circle, which is 50 years old. You know, there is, there is more to study about. 
Yes, yes, indeed. And so you talk about one thing that's really important here in the book. It's about building and empowering your commitment to living a large life and becoming all you can be that demands the way that you look at what you feel of your mind or what you feed your mind, rather. And so for those who are listening and those who haven't read your book yet, what is this large life that you speak of? The flow of life is to allow all fulfillment to find all desire. That's a short version of what the flow of life is. To allow all fulfillment to find all desire and all desire to find all fulfillment. The universe is, is have two forces, giving and receiving. We build human beings as body and soul. The body is receiving, the soul is giving. But the entire universe builds like that. So when two people meet each other, Either one of them want to receive, one want to give. Either two want to give or two want to receive. <coughs> the only condition that love will happen is when there is receiving and giving in the same, same room. One is giving, one is receiving. Most fight between humanity is either when two forces want to give or two forces want to receive. That's what people fight. So if people come to see me and they have arguments, let's say couples who come to see me and they have fight among them, and then ask, what do you want to give or what do you want to receive? Then ask that question. And in about 10 to 15 minutes, we solve the problem like never happened. Why? Because it's all based on that. So if you think about it, the, the, the universe language the, 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 is basically the force of fulfillment. is looking for the force of receiving. And the force of receiving, looking for the force of fulfillment. I love that, and it really speaks to how you bring up hospitality and being a good neighbor in the book and the reason why we connect to other people. So why is hospitality important for spiritual growth and merit? Well, you know, hospitality, your real face come out, you know. People come into your house, they see how you live, they see how you dress, they see how you eat. You know, you can be super polite and be with a lot of manners, but it's your house. So things come out. So it's a chance for you to be yourself. And when you be yourself, it's a chance for your guests, basically, to, to share with you their desire. Meaning what? Meaning you have to practice giving. Giving has many levels. You can give to somebody in the street. Or you can invite somebody from the street into your domain. And if you never invite people into your house, some people can live in their house forever, but they never have guests. That shows that that person didn't truly do giving yet. Giving starts from hospitality. We studied from Abraham in the Bible. If you know the Bible, Abraham saw three guests passing by. They look awful. They happen to be angels, but they look awful. The book said that they didn't look like angels. They looked the opposite. They looked negative. Abraham opening his tent. It was a hot day, like August in the desert. And he opened his tent to feed them, to wash their feet, and taking care of them. And the idea, what we learned from Abraham in this story, is the nature of giving. Giving is when you're opening your house for other people. 
You're opening your kitchen for other people. You're opening your, your wine for other people. You're opening your refrigerator for other people. I have to tell you, without my mom teaching me and me seeing my mom doing it, I don't know if you will I ever understand it. So those of you who never experienced hospitality, who never did hospitality, besides the holiday or Thanksgiving, you gotta practice it more often. You know, hopefully when everything's gonna go back to normal, commit to yourself at least once a week to have a guest in your house. If you go a week by without a guest in your house, and I'm not, they don't have to stay to sleep, but at least give them coffee, tea, food, something. Invite them for something. Then you didn't leave your dream yet. The dream of every human being is to share. And if you don't look in for other opportunities to share, that's when you don't leave your potential, you don't leave your dream yet. I love that. Yeah, it's important to love thy neighbor and be the example that you wish to set. As, as the golden rule states, do unto others have you un, uh, done to yourself. And so in the first half and early in the interview you talk about how you know you really uh, and correct me if I misspoke but really uh, can't create from a place of love but however later on in the book you talk about uh, the importance of having a soulmate so what's the purpose or importance behind having a soulmate is it to nurture that area of love to co-create or is it just uh, being a little bit selfish and then just going individually then together well I mean soulmate is basically uh, one soul divided to two bodies most people are not going to be with a soulmate uh, because there is many type of relationship soulmate is the ultimate goal soulmate is when two people who share the same soul have a spiritual purpose for the world so for example if we talk about my wife and myself we open a non-profit organization called vitaltransformation.org which is basically a spiritual place that serves people for free Make, give people a chance to study spirituality for free, no problem, no, no, you don't have to pay. And the idea, what I'm trying to say by that, is soulmates are usually two people that are coming together with this world to do good things for the global community. That's what the soulmate. It is based on love, of course. They have to have love connection between them. What does this mean, love? Love is when two things, when you share, and when you receive, you only receive for the sake of giving pleasure to the one who share. Meaning I'm receiving just to give you a pleasure. If I'm receiving just for myself and for my ego, that's not soulmate yet. Soulmate has to be based, I wanna take, because I know how much pleasure is giving you. So let's say if you bake a cake and I'm not hungry, I will take a bite just to give you pleasure. That's soulmate love, that's soulmate level. I'm receiving for the sake of sharing with you. I love that, you know, and I think it's really good relationship advice for those who are listening. You know, no matter what level of your relationship, you know, and, and even if there's some level of commitment just to see where it goes, if it's uh, the relationship is starting out or if you guys have been together for years, it's all about 
having that balance and being respectful towards one another. And without that, there really is no relationship. And then not just the romantic relationship, but a relationship with your friends and with your family for them to be invited into your life to really see you as you have grown spiritually and then leading into being an example for others to follow in your know, in the steps that you have laid. Mm-hmm. I agree. And so I just want to know, you know, because yeah. everyone has their own practices and everyone has their own routines. And I know that you have your own personal practice that you do every day. So how important is it really to have a routine or a practice for spiritual nourishment such as a meditation or prayer or anything that really invokes growth from an individual? Very important, of course. I mean, the practice of something and repeating it, it first uh, brings self-discipline. That's nothing to do even with spirituality, anything that you practice, whatever it is, tennis, basketball, sports, uh, eating habit, overcoming your addiction, all of that need practice and the repetition of that practice makes you controlling your temptation, your reflex in a better way. That's, that's besides spirituality. Now, when it comes to spirituality, you can do prayer, you can do meditation, you can do, I don't know, reading some books. So you have to have a routine that you do. I do a routine, of course, every morning. I will do a routine tonight, you know, in, in my neighborhood, uh, there are many homes, so usually in the evening, I basically raise my voice and I say, anybody want to pray or meditate? And a few people come out of the window, and then we pray together on Friday, so it's beautiful to watch it and see it together, and, but you need to know what you're doing, because if you don't know what you're doing, it becomes too religious instead of spiritual. You know, there's a big difference between religion and spirituality. Religion teaches you what to do. Spirituality is more why you're doing what you're doing. So I think this definition is very important for me that people will know why they're doing what they're doing. If they know why, it's more exciting. And then you, you will do it with more excitement. But if you do it because you have to, then it's, uh, it's, uh, it's become a task. It's become I have to. It doesn't become I'm excited to. Nobody will force you to eat the chocolate mousse. You know, you love to eat the chocolate mousse, right? <laughs> so the same thing with spirituality. Once you know why, you will do it. And it has the flavor of the why is greater than a chocolate mousse, let me tell you that. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, with going to school or going to work, religion is you following this doctrine, having a set of belief systems. It's like, well, if I do this, then I will get into the kingdom of heaven, I will meet God, and so forth and so on, as opposed to spirituality. It's more like a flow and just a feeling of what you're doing is right and what is meant for you, and that you are in charge of the life that you are creating and not giving your power away to someone else. You are creating the power. You are the source. You are the generator. And you co-create with the energy and people around you. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what, what, what you just said. Because the energy that was given to you is to basically control your life, to be the creator yourself. 
the creator that created you wants you to create too. And religion, for that reason, we see so much corruption in religion, even spirituality, even in other areas, because people are basically want to be the God of people. They don't want to be, they don't want to make people God. They want to make the God of people and they become the idol. And you see so many gurus, so many teachers, so many priests, so many places, so many rabbis that mislead people because they never follow higher frequency energy. They follow something that they can control people, whatever it is fear or, or excitement or enthusiasm or some charisma of the teacher. But the truth of the matter is, the goal of spiritual teacher is to take the follower and make them the leader. This is the goal. The true spiritual leader are busy to create spiritual leader, not to create spiritual followers. Yes, exactly. Leaders creating more leaders. I love that. And so with that, what do you, can you leave us with some final thoughts about Kabbalah and, you know, disbunk any misconceptions that people may have about this spirituality? I mean, I mean, the best thing to do, I mean, and they can judge it for themselves, is to go on my site and maybe study the, uh, some different classes that I teach for free. Of course, start from beginner, uh, and then you can go advance and study Kabbalah gym. There's a course that I, that I wrote, it's called Kabbalah Gym. You can read it or listen to it. It will help you to understand it. And the idea is, I don't want you to study to believe. I want you to study it so it will become part of your better life. And I'm not looking for people to believe this theory or to believe this knowledge. Because if you're busy believing, then one day you're not going to believe. You know, you don't believe in chocolate, but you eat it. So the bottom line, you go there <laughs> to spirituality. And you just try it. And if it's working for you, it's good for you. Very simple. Your life has to get better. And immediately, not in one year. Meaning, if in one month, four weeks, one month, your life is not getting better, it's not for you. Very simple. I'm telling you right now. When you read my book, your life getting better three days after, right away. If it doesn't get better, it's not for you. It's very simple. Everything that is real affecting our life immediately Whoever promised you that in one year, two years, three, no, it doesn't work like that. Change happens. If you're ready to make a change, I'm giving you 30 days. 30 days, that's my challenge to you. 30 days, if you practice what I put on my site, and you practice the book and everything, in 30 days you're a different person. Your life is different. From every aspect, money, relationship, understanding, awareness, things will change for you immediately. That's the beauty about it. You heard it here first, people. 30 days to change your life by reading The Laughing Billionaire. And I can say that after reading it personally, as you heard, I've you know, found some interesting and thankful things about myself. And also just really understanding the completeness of spirituality and how it really works in every facet of your life. And Eliyahu, where can they find this uh, on your website? Where can they find this book? The book can be found on Amazon. The Laughing Billionaire can be found on Amazon. And of course, they can go also on my site, which is vitaltransformation.org, or you can write it vt1.org, meaning V like victory, T like Tina, and one.org. 
it's a non-profit organization that you can go on it and listen to all the lecture, audio, video, everything is there. And those of you who want to work with me one-on-one, you can go to eliaojian.com, and then I will be able to give you service from there. Well, thank you so much for being on Light Insight today. It was a great honor and pleasure to really dive deep into really understanding this form of spirituality that has been a great service to many people. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. I appreciate that. You're most welcome, and see you guys next week. Have an amazing time. Until the next show. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. But heard instead, dear listeners, through podcast radio on realrevolutionradio.com. Never before has inspirational podcast radio been taken to this next level of wow. Until now. Today in the age of information, more and more people are searching for answers. And in solutions. And how to better approach and perceive every day-to-day concerns. By tuning in to realrevolutionradio.com. Isn't it about time we take back our lives? Back in consciousness. In a higher state of awareness. In the evolution of our own state of higher well-being. Yes, we can do so consciously every day by tuning in to the many groundbreaking and third eye opening podcasts. Our new Cleveland based network of over 33 paradigm shifting internet talk shows only on realrevolutionradio.com. Be part of that change. Evolve. Be inspired.